You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, and we do thank you for listening to America's Web Radio. And uh, we're doing something that uh, we don't do very often, as a matter of fact, and uh, we're looking forward to it, though. And this is that we're bringing back a show that's been on a what a four-year hiatus six years years. okay i didn't my how time flies when you get older than dirt but anyway we're bringing back a show that we had on shortly after we started the radio station and it's with uh, our host is robert d'agostino and he's a little bit right of right and uh, a little bit not much but a little bit right of right and uh, we will be doing it every Friday afternoon at 1 o'clock, and it's Do Facts Matter. And Robert has been a close friend for years and years and years. He's a law professor at John Marshall Law School. And, uh, Robert, this feels like old times having you back. It, it certainly does. And I'm glad to be back, I suppose. Uh, <clears throat> gave up the show about six years ago. I after the American people reelected the uh, narcissistic adolescent, I decided that uh, throw in the towel for a while. Uh, we got a big election coming up, and uh, we some important issues and important for the future of the country. Uh, the theme of the show is uh, this show is going to be uh, progressivism, the modern utopian religion, and we're going to talk about why I say that. This will be the first of a number of shows I'll do. Uh, featuring the, uh, let's say, the the uh, speeches and policies of famous pro- progressives in history. But right now, <clears throat> I have a guest, and my guest is my son, Joseph D'Agostino, also a law professor and a scholar, a true scholar, has written a number of articles, and in the future so we're going to talk about uh, one or two of his articles, including the his article about uh, Judge uh, Posner, who... Uh, came, uh, let's say, told the truth and said, you know, we judges, the higher court judges, appeals court judges, uh, judges in the Supreme Court, we don't have to pay attention to the law. We just do what's right, uh, at least in their own lights. Uh, Joseph, are you there? I am here. Great. Uh, I want to throw out this question to you. Uh, if you. If you ever hear Dennis Prager, and Dennis Prager often says, whatever the left touches, they destroy. Why do you think that's so? It's kind of a philosophical question, I suppose. But uh, what is he talking about? So I take a different view from many conservatives, many libertarians, other people who are right-wing or consider themselves right-wing or kind of revolutionary or so on. My view about why the left destroys everything it touches is that it's deliberate. I think that is the purpose of the left. So I think the left is led by leaders who want to destroy. Um, I'm not saying all their followers want this. Many people are very foolish. Many people are sheep-like. They follow things that sound good, that sound nice, that sound caring, so on and so forth. But I do believe that the leaders of the left and the hardcore people over the centuries, whether it's the French revolutionaries, the Marxists, uh, Saul Alinsky, or the leaders of the left today, I think by and large, they're actually motivated by hatred and and motivated by the desire to destroy, because that is always the result of left-wing policies, often immediately, if not immediately, certainly in the long run. And I think we have seen that for centuries, and I think that anyone who chooses not to see that uh, is either choosing ignorance or, or choosing to pursue this destructive path. So I think that 
that leftists are, are motivated by hatred. I think they're motivated by envy, anger, other of the uh, seven deadly sins. And I think that uh, people need to understand that envy is a very, very powerful motivator for a lot of people. Anger and resentment, a very, very powerful motivator for a lot of people. And many people are quite willing to cut off their noses despite their faces, right? That's a, that's a saying for a reason. People are very willing to cut off their noses despite their faces. If they can make somebody else unhappy that they resent for whatever reason, you know, resent them all, like Nietzsche said, they can feel better, right? They feel better because somebody else that they view as, as unjust or evil or whatever is suffering, even if it doesn't help them, even if it hurts them, they feel better about themselves or they feel better about their lives. Which I think to a lot of people with a maybe more conservative temperament may have trouble understanding. Now, conservatives have their own characteristic flaws. But I think, for example, uh, uh, the typical conservative, if they see a man who's wealthier than they are, a man who has more than they are, than they have, or, or is smarter or something, I think the typical conservative tends to think, well, good for him, right? Isn't that nice? Uh, I maybe think that's I true. That uh, let me go back. Work, let me just interrupt you, Joe. But a leftist inter- doesn't. Joe, let me interrupt you for a minute. Because I think you want to get to that point. Again, I want to get back to your point about destruction. One of the leading lights of how you, aside from Saul Alinsky, which the Democrats have become the party of Saul Alinsky, the party of uh, personal destruction, Saul Alinsky always advises his followers not to talk issues, just to uh, uh, dehumanize your opponent, uh, attack him personally, and to make any of how many lies you told. But this also goes back to someone called Antonio Gramsci, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. I think Gramsci used an Italian communist who was put in prison during the fascist government uh, in Italy, uh, wrote some things. and He's most famous for his phrase, the long march through the institutions, which is that the way leftists will ultimately win would not be through violent revolution, uh, which a lot of people thought, particularly after the Bolshevik revolution in Russia was successful. But he said, no, in the West, the way leftists can win is through infiltrating existing institutions, going inside, you know, be joining institutions, becoming personnel and leaders within institutions, whether it's within the church, within the state, within other institutions, and converting them from the inside. Uh, today, a lot of people call it convergence, like social justice warrior, SJW convergence, converging institutions to the goals of social justice, right, left-wing version of social justice. So... That is what we, we've been seeing this for centuries. Gramsci just sort of popularized it and sort of standardized it. And I think that we see that everywhere in our society now, whether it's, whether it's the deep state and the, and the governments in DC, whether it's in state governments, whether it's in nonprofit charities, large corporations, churches, including the Catholic Church at the highest levels. I think we've seen infiltration, a very conscious plan of infiltration for centuries that has intensified in recent decades and has been very successful at subverting the original uh, uh, purposes of these organizations. Joseph, if I might interrupt, uh, this is David Moxley, and we've started uh, a program here on the station and uh, doing many, many clips on it. Being a few hundred years older than you are, this goes back to when I was in junior high school, and we were taught that uh, when Khrushchev banged his shoe on the UN table and said, we will take you from within... This is exactly what's happening today, and we're beginning to start preaching here at America's Web Radio that we're literally in the 21st century Cold War that's more obnoxious than the 
20th century Cold War, which was all about bombing America. This is more insidious, than, and you hit it. You hit it right on the head. The infiltration started with the infiltration of our universities, then our high schools, and now into our books. Would you agree? Absolutely. And uh, it's been something that's been going on for a long time. A lot of people don't understand how revolutions work. Uh, for example, the French Revolution is often portrayed as bourgeois, other outsiders revolting against the king and the aristocracy. That's not really true. For many decades before the French Revolution, the revolutionaries had infiltrated the aristocracy. They had infiltrated the royal court. They had infiltrated the Catholic Church and other powerful institutions in French society so that when it came time to trigger the revolution, there were a lot of people already in power to advance the revolution. It wasn't as simple as the old order was fighting against the revolutionaries. The old order had already been corrupted and undermined by termites inside it before the revolutionaries were able to come from the outside and basically push it over, right? So that's how the world works. That's how all revolutions work. Uh, It does not happen that they just come from the outside. And what we're facing here is scarier, first of all, because the people are here in our country and have a lot of influence. They're not over there in Russia or the Soviet Union. Uh, that's number one. And number two, the fact is the Democratic Party of today is further to the left than the Soviet Communist Party of the 1970s and 1980s. I, mean, I think I, if you look at what the Soviet, Soviet Communist Party stood for in the 1970s and 80s, you'd find there was a much more conservative party than today's Democratic Party well, what's in the, America. What's the first tactic that's taught in military school? Divide and conquer. Have you ever seen so much division in the United States as we have? I can't name an area that's not in the midst of division, be it Virginia and their guns, be it the Methodist Church, be it the Presbyterian Church, be it our Congress. You name it, and there's divisiveness there. And it didn't just happen. It's been infiltrated upon us. Well, we got exactly. That. I'm Catholic myself, and obviously we see a lot of that within yeah. the Catholic Church today as well. Yeah, well, of course, identity politics are, are part and parcel of what the Democrats stand for, and identity politics means uh, you know each one uh, identifies with a certain insular group, a sex, a gender, racial group, and uh, and, and that way they can go pick to claim victimhood, and whoever claims the most victimhood has the most privilege. You know, remember what uh, our good friend uh, Joe Biden running for president, uh, the uh, gaff-prone liar from, from Delaware, uh, said some time ago, uh, he said the, model of the, the motto of the country was out of one many. And he inadvertently got it right from the point of view of the Democrat Party. Um, anyway... Let's say let's go let's let's look into this area of utopianism as a religion uh, and progressives uh, obviously the way they attack non, uh, non-progressives the latest uh, interesting attack was one of Bernie Sanders field supervisors who indicated all we deplorables all those who disagreed with Bernie should go to the gulag for re-education right Right, and that kind of talk from leftists, progressive activists, even some liberals, people who consider themselves not progressive but rather liberal, has been all over the Internet for some time. The Internet is very valuable in many ways, and one way it's valuable is people, any any person can just post his opinion online, and you get to see it, so you can see what people are really thinking. 
And uh, for some time now, progressives, leftists, liberals have been on the Internet, in, in blog posts, Twitter, so on and so forth, and now increasingly just saying it in mainstream publications. Right now it's reached the mainstream publications where they're actually saying that people who disagree with, with their uh, version of liberalism or progressivism, their fashionable version, are Nazis, are fascists, right? are white supremacists and so on. So anyone who disagrees with them is stigmatized as someone who's evil and who uh, and is justified to use violence against. Like who wouldn't use violence to stop Hitler and stop the Nazis, right? That you know, so and they're talking about having how all Trump supporters are white supremacists, all Trump supporters are racist, all Trump supporters are fascists, and they're they're sometimes openly calling for violence, right? They're sometimes they've moved to the phase of Openly, not just in the Twitter and etc., but in mainstream publications now, suggesting violence. So what this Bernie Sanders supporter said on camera, or, or, or worker said on camera, is not the least bit of a surprise. And I think we're going to continue to see an intensification uh, of this rhetoric against just not necessarily even conservative people, but people who just don't uh, are just not on the on board with the progressive agenda. Well, what's kind of uh, shocking about this, and I should do a show about it some, sometime later, is that I was reading what that Bernie Sanders field guy said, and he a lot of what he said came right out of Lenin. Just what you said, you have to, you have to be with them 100% or you're an enemy. It's just like uh, the Bolsheviks liquidated the Mensheviks. The Mensheviks were, left, were leftists, but they were more like social democrats, more like... A peaceful leftists, they were socialists, but they were not uh, Bolsheviks. They were not. Uh, they didn't believe in the dictatorship of of, of uh, the proletariat. Uh, they didn't the vanguard to rule. They actually believed people could make decisions, and uh, that was not good enough for Lenin. So he actually advocated liquidating other parties, other people that were on the left. Mm-hmm. I think we have a break. Uh, we'll be right back. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the tornadobodydryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. Merry Christmas. I'm Patty LeVan, owner of Multiland Mortgage Services, Inc. We've partnered with nationally known wholesale lenders throughout the country that offer a wide variety of home loan programs. We can find the right home loan that will suit your financial needs. Multiland Mortgage Services, your way home. Call us at 941-201-9111 or check out our website at multilandmortgage.com. Company founded by Joseph D. Powers, NMLS 158-989, licensed in Georgia and Florida. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Getting back to this idea of uh, progressivism as a religion, which it certainly is, 
And one of, one of the things you can tell that it's a religion is that people who disagree are either classified as evil and, and in need of re-education, going to the gulag, according to Bernie Sanders, uh, uh, some Bernie Sanders uh, uh, volunteers. And, and, it's, and it's a religion in the sense that it's got a whole bunch of, let's see, ideas that, in fact, can't be, uh, are either ca- uh, contrafactual. You, know, you take a look at Christianity, and Christianity, the central doctrine of Christianity is a resurrection. Well, it can't be proven at this point, and it can't be non-proven. But Christianity has never been counterfactual, at least not for long periods of time, considering all those universities that were founded in Europe. I mean, after all, this whole idea of uh, the Catholic Church natural philosophy was really the study of nature, study of physics and mathematics. And those universities, the late 1200s, I think the first one started to form, Bologna and um, Paris and a few others. So, so the, the idea that the church is against science is, of course, crazy. But now we have progressives, and they are against science. I mean, how can you really believe that people can choose their own gender? How can you really believe that? How can you believe that when you abort a, a, a fetus that you're not aborting a human being? These are contrafactual. And I think, uh, in fact, I think that abortion has become a sacrament to the progressives. What do you think, Joseph? Right. I, I think that sort of comprehensive um, towing of the line that's required is a really strong mark of, of a religion, uh, as well as the fact that their claims and assertions are, are empirically unfalsifiable uh, in their view, right, no matter what evidence presented, Right. So if, if, let's say you're a good progressive on every single issue, right, every single issue except you don't believe in transgenderism, you just say, you know, I'm a socialist, I, I, you know, pro-abortion, et cetera, I don't believe in transgenderism, what happens? You're excommunicated from the progressive movement, right? It's not good enough. Or if you're, if you're against abortion, right, you're progressive on every issue, but you're pro-life, you're excommunicated. So it's like, it's like the Catholic Church, right? It's like you have to agree with all these core doctrines or you're, you're out, right? So it's just like a, a religion. Uh, a couple of differences between it and Christianity are, number one, Christians are very clear that their religion is a religion. You know, they don't pretend otherwise. And secondly, um, Christians are not inventing new doctrines every year or two that then everyone else has to fall in line with the way progressives do, right? They keep becoming more and more radical. They keep inventing new things that people have to conform to. And the new things are each, each new thing is crazier than the last thing, Right. Uh, and so they have this, you know, ongoing development where everyone has to come along and everyone has to accept all the core doctrines or they're just out of the movement entirely. They're, they're put beyond the pale and they're probably fascist, right? Or something like that. So it is. And it's, and it's also a religion in a, in a certain kind of religion, the strain of American Puritanism, like right? the strain of the kind of hysterical hectoring. Uh, you know, you must do this, we have to do this, it's an imperative we do this to save society here and now, right? Now, the big difference between progressivism and traditional Christianity, and, you know, particularly Catholics, is, is the utopianism. You know, so back in the day, uh, there wasn't this sort of, uh, you know, back in the Middle Ages or earlier, this idea that we're going to perfect society, right? So the Catholic Church is pretty relaxed about a lot of things because they knew they weren't going to achieve perfection in this life, right? They knew we're going to have sin, we're going to have imperfection, no matter how hard we try, let's, you know, we've got to be relaxed about things or to tolerate bad things. 
most progressives seem to continue to believe that they can create, if they just try hard enough, if they're just, um, you know, it's, you know it's Hector enough and are strict enough and pass enough laws and punish people enough and put enough people in jail uh, and so on and so forth, we'll achieve perfect, perfection and everyone will be happy, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they really believe that or they just kind of seem to believe that. But that, of course, means you can justify all kinds of things because what wouldn't be justified in pursuit of heaven on earth? That's right. It's all about heaven on earth. And after all, what did Danton say in the French Revolution, the first really secular utopian uh, uh, movement? Danton said, among other things, he said that he, in order to create his utopia of France, he was prepared to see the soil of France turn red with blood. So right. Ca- and I, I, th- I think, too, you know, it's a sort of a debased religion in which... Uh, people don't really care about the things they claim to care about, right? So the typical progressive, even the typical liberal, gets much angrier over uh, some comedian using the N-word than they do over the high level of violence in the inner city, right? So they they, they claim so much to care about black people, but they actually don't really get that angry at Democrats or Republicans who don't really pursue policies that might help real black American people, right? But they become absolutely hysterical and furious if someone makes a tasteless racist joke on Twitter, right? And it's just really, and it's curious too. All these other things. There's there's plenty of scientific evidence that transgender people, if they have surgery, sex reassignment surgery, you know, the latest data shows 80% later regret it, right? So this is the kind of thing that if you really cared about transgender people, you would be against the surgery, because the vast majority of them come to regret it later, and of course by then it's too late, and they're sterile, and can't have children, and so on. Uh, but they don't care. They don't They don't really care about what happens to real people in the real world, right? We have these rape gangs here in the United States. We have their rape gangs in Britain, where we're, uh, people who are from uh, uh, Muslim countries, people from Mexico, etc., will systematically groom and rape underage girls, and leftists don't want to talk about it. Right? They don't want to talk about it because that might seem racist. Right, So they don't really seem to care about what happens to underage girls in the real world. Just like if a woman accuses Donald Trump of sexual assault, it's a major crisis. A woman accuses Bill Clinton or Justin Fairfax of sexual assault, there's silence on the part of leftists. Right, So they don't really care about what happens to real people in the real world. They, they care about feeling like they're good people because they conform to some sort of abstract doctrine that has very little connection to the real world. Well, I think that's really true, and you can you can uh, look at Baltimore. Ever since the pressure in Baltimore for the police to stand down and the agreements with the American Civil Liberties Union about uh, how police should behave, the murder rate in Baltimore has gone sky high. Baltimore, I think the last uh, statistic showed Baltimore on a per capita basis is the most dangerous city in the United States. Uh, in total number of murders, Chicago still leads, but Chicago has a huge uh, advantage in population. So here we have, and, and who gets killed in Baltimore? Mostly young blacks, mm-hmm. young black males. And who does the killing? Other young black males. So the, 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 the point is, if the left really cared, if the ref really was concerned with homicides in, in, in the inner city, they would ask for more policing, more stop and frisk, more controls. Instead, it's just the opposite, and then they can go brag about how compassionate and how non, 
racist they are and how concerned they are about police violence, never mind the violence committed by criminals against uh, innocent people in all neighborhoods, not only black neighborhoods. It's it's truly amazing that uh, these doctrines, and as I said before, I think abortion has now become a sacrament to the left. Anyone who's wants to limit any abortions is is you know is anathematized. They 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 uh, nurses lose their jobs who won't won't perform abortions. Uh, teachers in school who uh, express uh, pro life views are 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 purged, or fired. Things are made up about their lack of teaching ability. Professors can't can't say it. Uh, it's uh, a truly an amazing thing. And you know what? Uh, what if I'm going to ask you, what if uh, some uh, conservative politician, Republican, said, look, uh, we should be all right with abortion. I mean, after all, abortion gets rid of undesirables. What do you think would happen, Joe, if some Republican or conservative said that? <laughs> well, I, I think they'd be denounced, but I don't know. The left is so dug in pro-abortion that they might choose to ignore it because they don't want to cast any doubt on abortion. Well, I mean, they Ruth, did. Ruth igno- Bader Ginsburg said that publicly. That's right. Ruth and, uh, of course, they gave her a pass, but, of course, she's, she's a liberal Democrat. But I don't know. I mean, for something like abortion, they're so dug in on it that they might actually give Republicans a pass on that. I think it's all about... You know, they're very, you got to give the left credit, they're very much dedicated to winning, right? They keep their eyes on the prize. So they will ignore things if ignoring those things helps their agenda. They will push things if it helps their agenda, et cetera, et cetera. It's all sort of twisting, right? It's all, it's all very much focused on the goal because one of the traditional principles of leftism is that the ends justify the means, right? So lying is acceptable, smearing people with lies is acceptable, um, seizing power is acceptable, so on and so forth, because that is a traditional principle of leftism. Not all leftists believe this, of course, but a traditional principle is the ends justify the means. So I think if you, whenever you ask that question, you would have to, the answer would have to be what would leftist leaders view as most advantageous for their agenda? And that's what they would do. Well, their agenda, of course, is taking power. As Saul Alinsky said, there was a famous meeting in, uh, I guess, Chicago. And I believe Hillary Clinton may have been at that meeting where Saul Alinsky was ins- instructing his followers, what what do you want to do? And they start talking about poverty, and they talked about the racial justice defined by whatever they wanted to define it. And, they start, and Saul Alinsky said, no, no, no. What you want to do is take power. And after right. you take power, you worry about that. We're up against the break. Be right back. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio Online. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, we're back and talking about uh, progressivism the um, <clears throat> modern utopian religion, and let's let's take a look at the utopians uh, since the French Revolution, because the, as I said, the French Revolution was really a, a secular utopian movement, and they defined what utopia would be in France, at least in abstract terms: everyone equal, everyone everyone friends. It's always in abstract terms. And, of course, it always leads to economic socialism because equality has to be coerced and enforced. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But Mussolini was a, was a progressive. He was, he was heralded by the, his fellow progressives all over the world, the United States and Great Britain. Mussolini, great, he's going to make the, what, what did Roosevelt say, the trains run on time? And uh, he was uh, the great progressive. He was going to ignore all this uh, uh, separation of powers, ignore uh, the central government would, would set all the rules, and, and that would make everybody equal and happy. So you, so you had people like Mussolini. You have Pol Pot, and you have Mao Zedong, and you have Adolf Hitler. Yes, Adolf Hitler was a progressive. He was a socialist. He was an environmentalist. And he defined a future perfect society with uh, Germans in charge. Uh, that was going to be the perfect society uh, to, to rule the world. Um, all of these movements, whether it's communism, fascism, which, of course, under Mussolini, fascism was initially a corporate doctrine. It then got expanded to other cultural and social doctrines. But Always coercion is, since people resist living in a utopia, it always ends up with coercion. Isn't that right, Joseph? Yes, because the only way you can can get people to do these things is to coerce them. Now, of course, every society needs some level of coercion. You're going to have criminals, you're going to have bad actors, and you really have to be quite a true utopian if you think that you can have a well-ordered society without a coercive legal system, to uh, deter and punish people who commit murder, commit rape, co- commit theft, uh, and so on. So, well, well uh, wait a minute, Joseph. Those are not crimes for the progressives anymore. Uh, they don't in New York. You know, they just let them go. What, what did the bank robber said? He was in jail. He had robbed a couple of banks, and he got out of jail without bond. So, what did he do the next day or so? He ro- robbed another bank after selling. Quote: He couldn't believe he got away with it, so he went out and robbed another bank. Right. We've also seen several suspects in New York City who have been attacking Hasidic Jews on the street be arrested and then let go. 
uh, and then they attack Jews again, and they get arrested and they get let go, right? Uh, and the left constantly complains about anti-Semitism, but because these people in New York City are not right-wing, they're typically uh, local black people who are not uh, conservative, not Trump supporters, they just ignore this kind of uh, violence on the street uh, in New York City. So, uh, in New Jersey and other places. Uh, so, it, it depends, of course, on the identity characteristics of the people in question increasingly, right? It's not about the argument, it's not about the action, it's about the identity characteristics, right? It's about who. So, a white man says something, oh, it's white male privilege, right? You dismiss it because it's white male privilege. If it's a black woman who says the same thing and it's a conservative thing, dismiss her as a self-hating or co-opted black woman, right? If a Muslim rapes somebody, well, we've got to give him a break because, you know, oppression, etc. Uh, if a white man rapes somebody, of course, it's an expression of patriarchal privilege. He needs to be punished especially badly, right, especially harshly. So we have, you know, that increasingly it's all determined by uh, identity characteristics, how things are viewed, right, and how people should be punished. And I think that's the trend that's going to continue for some time, partly because of its service to the left and partly because America and so many American people have an identity void now, right? They're not really Christian anymore in any serious way, most of them. There's no really clear idea of what it means to be an American, what it means to be a man or to be a woman, right? Uh, to be a human being. What does it mean to be a human being anymore, right? Do people have a clear idea of that? So since they lack identity, uh, they latch on to things that, that, that give them identity, and increasingly the only things that give people identity are these politicized identity characteristics and doctrines. And that's especially true for young people. I mean, young people are really, to put it mildly, suckers for these kinds of movements. It was young folks who Pol Pot used to kill one million Cambodians. It's uh, Mao Zedong stirred up young folks to beat up their professors and sometimes kill them and put them in prison. Uh, it was the, the brown shirts in Hitler's Germany were young folks. Uh, it, the, young folks want to feel that they got an identity, that they, uh, they are part of something big and important, and that's why Bernie Sanders has all those young followers. They really think that Bernie Sanders can create a utopia, something close to a utopia. Well, it's worse than that, I think. So I saw a survey a few weeks ago that said 36% of millennials now have an approving view of communism. Okay, Not socialism, right? But up from 28% last year, now 36% of millennials have a favorable or approved, approving view of communism. So that's where we've gotten now to where over a third of young people uh, have a positive view towards communism. Well, young people and, who are And millennials. that's a very disturbing thing. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know how much of it is that young people are foolish enough to believe that communism, communism is going to lead to good things, because it's very difficult for me to see how anyone can actually sincerely believe that, given t communism's track record for a hundred and some years, or if it's really an expression of kind of tribal solidarity to believe in this, just kind of edginess, annoy the old people, or a real sort of commitment to destruction, that they just want to tear things down, burn it all down, as people often say, and communism is their vehicle for doing that, and it's a, it's a negative and even self-destructive impulse. Well, and now what Gramsci said, you got to destroy it all, so Alinsky said you got to destroy it all, and then you can rebuild society, create new man... 
the new man, the old man has to be destroyed before the, the new man, right? So here's a, a great quote from Edmund Burke, the 18th century conservative uh, uh, Englishman who was opposed to the French Revolution, etc. And he talked about these, you know, left-wing revolutionary leaders, philosophers, etc. These philosophers are fanatics, independent of any interest that is self-interest, which if it operated alone would make them much more tractable. They are carried with such a headlong rage towards every desperate trial that they would sacrifice the whole human race to the slightest of their experiments, right? It's just amazing, right? They, they look so far, you know, nothing can be conceived more hard than the heart of a thoroughbred metaphysician, right? They're, it's, it's, they do not think 2,000 years too long a period for the good that they pursue, right? So the centuries and centuries of misery and desolation that their experiments and, and reforms produce doesn't matter because they believe, or at least they say they believe, that someday, hundreds of years from now, things will be perfect, so it justifies all the murder and destruction and poverty that they produce now. Well, again, what did, um, you know, after Khrushchev gave that famous speech about the crimes of Stalin and, and what Stalin had done to the uh, Russian people, the gulags, the executions, and the British socialist, Fabian socialist, uh, last name Webb, I can't remember his first name offhand, but uh, was asked about that. What did he think about it now? Because he was a great apologist for the Soviet Union. And his answer, and, and, and this is t- very typical of the left, the answers are bloodless. He said, well, we always thought we would have to sacrifice a generation. <laughs> well, it's been quite a few generations. So somebody asked Chu Enlai, who is one of Mao's uh, leading subordinates uh, in China, what he thought of the French Revolution. What do you think of the French Revolution, of the effects of the French Revolution? And and Lai said, it's too early to tell, right? So, you know, at that point, it had been, you know, over 150 years since the French Revolution, right? You think maybe we could judge its results. But still, these folks have the idea that, okay, all these bad things are happening, etc. but someday all this is going to lead to wonderful things. The wonderful things never arrive, Right. But yet we can continue to do these things. We continue to do these things to, to in, in justification by this imagined utopia that's going to arrive. And, and therefore, they, they continue to do these things. And again, you know, some people are very sincere, particularly followers can be very sincere, really believe and fall for these things. But I don't believe the leaders are sincere. I, I think that many, and I think that many other people are not sincere, that, that this is really a vehicle for them to express their hatred of others or their envy of those who have more than they do their anger, resentment, whatever it may be, uh, so on and so forth. Or, or their contempt. I, I think that uh, a lot of the Democrats, a lot of the people who support uh, Bernie and speak, they obviously have nothing but contempt for ordinary people. I mean, uh, Obama, President Obama had contempt, people clinging to their guns and religion, right? And Hillary Clinton, uh, the basket of deplorables. This is all uh, contempt, showing contempt. For, for ordinary folks who live ordinary lives. Mm-hmm. And, and I think uh, contempt is, is one of the uh, great motivators uh, for the leaders of these left-wing movements. It is, but then that brings us to another thing that I think a lot of conservatives overlook, although more recently I think more conservatives and other people on the right um, are now coming to realize, which is that the rich and powerful are actually in alliance with leftists, Right. 
So the rich and powerful, and I mean the ultra-rich, I mean the super-rich, they're super-powerful people, right? Not your average wealthy person, right, in a suburb. They have been, they have actually funded and supported and, and created leftism, right? And they've been doing this for centuries. Karl Marx was an agent of the ultra-rich, right? His wife was the daughter of a baroness from the Phillips family, as in Phillips Electronics, right? Billionaires, right? Um, so, and there's plenty of other evidence that Marx was actually working for the ultra-rich, and the, all of Marxism is just a constructed scam to actually uh, enhance the power of the wealthy at the expense of others, such as the church and the traditional aristocracy and traditional royal families of Europe, right? So what you have is the, the, the ultra-rich and powerful are actually in alliance with leftists. They fund the leftists, people like George Soros, you know, being the most famous, perhaps, but Fortune 500 country, co- companies fund progressives. And, Many conservatives puzzle over this. How is this possible? Because the progressives always say they want to kill the rich, eat the rich, take or at least take away all their money, etc. But, of course, that never actually happens, right? The, the financiers and the businessmen always stay ultra-rich, even when they're left-wing revolutions in their countries. And so they're in alliance together. So for many of the rich and powerful, progressivism, leftism, is just a vehicle, a cynical means of preserving or enhancing their own wealth and power. They don't believe in it at all. It's a way to control people and to misdirect them away from reforms that might actually improve society, might actually improve the economic circumstances of ordinary people. Uh, And I think uh, Hillary Clinton is an expression of that because my impression of Hillary Clinton, I could be wrong, my impression is she doesn't really believe in the things that she says. Uh, She's just a tool of the rich and powerful. Well, yeah, I, I think a purpose, that's right, obviously, and she's made a lot of money being a tool of the rich and powerful. But, of course, part of it, and especially with the big business, is that the left promises to limit competition. I mean, the left has nothing but utter contempt for the petty bourgeois. Now, who are the petty bourgeois? The petty bourgeois, defined by the socialist left in Europe and, and Lenin and what have you, are small businessmen, people who are entrepreneurs. Uh, farmers who make surplus so they could sell, sell food to other farmers. And remember, this is anathema to the, to, to the left. When, when Lenin collectivized the, the farms, he precipitated a famine. He had to go to the new economic policy, NEP, which is a return to free market agricultural work. Let, let, let the, the farmers own land. Let, let them produce surpluses to feed the rest of the country. Stalin, he reinstituted the collectivization and shot the kulaks, right? 40,000 of the successful farmers were shot. And what did that precipitate? Another famine. And what saved Stalin, of course, at that point was World War II and Hitler attacking. Uh, two two left wing uh, leaders uh, attacking each other. Uh, well, right. First, after cooperating with each other, right? Hitler is often. Uh, blamed for being the one who started World War II. Well, the fact is Hitler and Stalin both started World War II. The Hitler-Stalin Pact is where Nazi Germany and Communist Soviet Union agreed to partition Poland. They agreed to both invade Poland and then divide it between the two of them, and that's exactly what they did. Yet our media, our historians, etc., say that Nazi German, Germany started World War II by invading Poland. That is not true. Nazi Germany, or at least it's not, you know, it's not complete. It's a lie by omission. Nazi Germany, the socialists of Nazi Germany and the socialists of the Soviet Union made a deal to, to invade and partition Poland, and that's what started. Hold up, we're up against and the break. Stalin was just as responsible Joe, as ever. Joe, I got to interrupt you. We're up against the break. We'll be right back.
Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Uh, welcome back. This is America's uh, Web Radio, and this is progressivism. Uh, my topic today of progressivism, the uh, modern utopian religion. And this is uh, my show, which I've just uh, returned to. This is Robert D'Agostino returning to the show after a six-year absence. Do facts matter? And, of course, the answer to that is no if you're a leftist. Um, Joe, let me ask you this question. There's a lot of stuff going around on the Internet <clears throat> by a person or persons called Q. And, of course, Q has been dismissed <clears throat> as a right-wing conspiracy theorist. And some of what he's written uh, have certainly uh, seemed to be true. Uh, something I wrote, read that came out of Q the other day was hard to believe. You know anything about Q? I know something about Q. I think at this point everyone is a conspiracy theorist. Certainly after three years of Russiagate, no reasonable person can deny that liberals, the mainstream media, and progressives, at least the vast majority of them, are conspiracy theorists, right? Uh, so after all this of Russiagate and so on and so forth, I think everyone is a conspiracy theorist now. And I think people do see that our government is controlled by uh, very wealthy, uh, very powerful people uh, who have their own special interests. So you can call that conspiracy theory if you like. In that case, I think everyone is now a conspiracy theorist. When it comes to Q, I think a lot of what Q says is true, but Q has also made a lot of predictions that have not come true. So yes. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical that Q is any, is any more real than just someone who kind of sees the big picture and follows the news carefully as opposed to someone who has truly inside information. Yeah, well, Q is always uh, apparently saying, I haven't read that much, but I, I, I read one yesterday, I think it was, and the other time I read Q was a few weeks ago, uh, about, you know, we've got the goods on everybody. Somebody has the goods on everybody, and we're going to start, people are going to start getting arrested and the corruption and all this money sloshing around, being paying off bureaucrats, paying off the Bidens, that sort of stuff that he alleges have, have occurred and these old people are going to all come to justice. That, I find, not believable. No, it's not very believable. Um, I know that many people 
uh, in America want to be big fans of Trump. Um, I am a Trump supporter. I voted for him. I expect to vote for him again. Uh, but the fact is he has not undertaken the fundamental reforms that many people have hoped for. And I don't know that he's going to. I think he probably isn't. I think he's going to continue to do kind of the tweaking that he's done, some positive things for the economy, good judicial appointments, uh, and so on. But there's sort of the idea that, say, William Barr, who was Bush's attorney general, you know, who's a very embodiment of the Republican establishment, is now attorney general, is somehow going to clean house, right? I, I think that's very hard to believe that that bar is going to be that, that kind of man, right, given his history. He's, he's part of the club. He's part of the swamp, right? Now, you know, like Barr compared to most swamp members, but uh, he's still part of the, 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 the establishment. So I think the idea that this is going to happen, I think it's unlikely, especially since the deep state, the Democratic Party, the Republican establishment, to get rid of or the other if he really does try to clean house. So he has great difficulties in that, you know, they control almost everything. Um, and so even if he wanted to, I don't know that he does want to. Well, let's assume he wanted to uh, clean house, and let's assume that's what why the Democrats are go- out to get him if they can, uh, and, and the wealthy folks are out to get him if they can, because he knows where all the bodies are buried, and he could presumably be a threat to their control and their... their, uh, their uh, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch my back, sort of d- doing things. So I think that's one reason why there's so much hatred and so much willingness to, to lie about Trump and to, to think up one cr- crime after another. And just to support your position, I, I looked up the 10 uh, top PACs, pl- political action committees, and which party they supported, all right? And this is in the last election, 2018. Seven of the top 10 Democrats. Two Republican, one split their money between Republicans and Democrats because what they were doing was supporting any veteran, whatever party they ran for, they were giving money to veterans. So seven to two, Democrat to Republican. And if you take a look at the billionaires, I mean the multi-billionaires, not people with just a mere billion, but people would have real multiple billions, and there are like 22 of them in the country. And uh, 13 of them are Democrats, the last time I looked, and that's a little while ago. So all this information is available on the Internet. Uh, Who represents the the most uh, affluent congressional districts? Virtually all of them are represented by Democrats. At one point, it was 8 out of 10. Uh, And this all can be looked up and researched. Yet... If you ask the typical American which party represents the wealthy, they say the Republicans. How do we and get through it, this? Right, and it's not it's just not true, right? Perhaps it used to be true, but it's simply not true anymore. And when it comes to the ultra rich, we actually have some, some survey data from a professor at Princeton who surveyed, you know, very wealthy people in places like New York City and et cetera, asking their political opinion. And they're all neoliberals. They're all you know, progressives on, on social issues, immigration, things like that, uh, but they also want to keep their money, right? So they tend to be you know, more economically conservative, so to speak. But they're all very progressive on these social issues, on these marker issues of, you know, cultural superiority, right? Open borders, abortion on demand, and so on and so forth. Uh, and so they, they overwhelmingly uh, identify uh, to, to the liberal side, right? So that's where the ultra-rich are, and that's where they have been 
for some time now, and I think they've always been a revolutionary force in history. I think ultra-rich people have always been in favor of upsetting the standard social order, and particularly religion, because it was an obstacle to their own accumulation of wealth and power, because traditional aristocracy, the military, the church... Uh, just local landowners, local business owners Wait. who have their own independent means or obstacles to the concentration of power by by the ultra-rich. Well, of course, I wouldn't uh, uh, ignore the ultra-rich's uh, desire to, uh, let's say, uh, be the Jeffrey Epsteins and the what-have-you of the world, the Bill Clintons, and have uh, access to, to uh, you know, sex whenever they want it and at, at, at whatever age they want. Look at that lawsuit out in California by Ricky Garcia against his uh, producer and manager and the things that are alleged there, if even half of what's alleged there about this poor kid starting at 12 years old, he was handed, ha- handed around as a sex toy to, all over the place. And uh, the implication is uh, on the, a lot of the Disney shows the, those di- starring those teenagers uh, are... Uh, let's say, if not in danger of, uh, at least in danger of being sexually abused, are being sexually abused. So we'll have to see how that's that case goes. And the case has gotten remarkable, remarkably little publicity. Very Other things along that line. We all know about Jeffrey Epstein and the idea that he committed suicide does not make sense. Three of Kevin Spacey's accusers who have accused him of sexual abuse died in the past, right? Three died in the past year, including one supposedly committed suicide the very day after Spacey released a video online talking about how he wanted to kill his enemies with kindness. A fourth one of his accusers in the past year stopped cooperating with prosecutors, so they had to drop the case against Spacey. Um, We've had a recent report from the the government agency in Britain talking about how over 1,500 girls were abused, underage girls were abused as part of the Muslim rape gang. Uh, in uh, northern England, about which the police did nothing for over a decade because they were afraid to be to be accused of, of being racist. We know that Jimmy Savile, the famous British entertainer, 300 children complained against him. Nothing ever happened to him. He, he passed away a free man, so on and so forth. So we have a lot of evidence of many nefarious things going on, whether it's child sex abuse, whether it's financial crimes, whether it's uh, breaking out of the family, promoting all courts, the evil things, open borders with immigration, with lots of people coming in and undermining uh, you know, the, uh, the economic welfare of working-class Americans, uh, so on and so forth. So we see a lot, and I think we're living through a time of exceptional corruption and, and exceptional breakdown. I think it's the job of people who care, right, to provide for an alternative positive future, a positive uh, alternative to what our ruling class wants for us. But, but the progressive movement has essentially supported or cover up all this, when, except when it suited them to do something else. In other words, it suited them to, to go after Catholic priests because it can destroy the Catholic religion, or they were hoping. But uh, if, if it suits their purposes financially and sexually and what have you, the progressive movement has embraced all this stuff or covered it up. Right. Public school employees have a child sex abuse rate three times higher than that of Catholic priests. They abuse far more children every year than Catholic priests. But you never hear about it. You never hear about the lawsuits. This is not to excuse Catholic sex abuse scandal, but it just points out the selective outrage, the selective focus 
uh, and the fact that they'd rather focus on a small, relatively small number of victims if they can make the perpetrators look bad uh, than go after the bigger pool. Like, they'll focus on police officers who, unfortunately, of course, badly, wrongly, shoot unarmed black citizens maybe not, a dozen not times often. a year, but, but not the thousands of homicides against black men uh, by other black men in the inner city, right? Well, I think uh, I think this brings up to, uh, uh, that we're in a, we're in a culture war. This is not this is uh, uh, you know uh, in a lot of ways worse than the Cold War, as as Dave Moxley pointed out earlier. And we're in a culture war, and I'm not sure we're going to win it. Right, man. Some more people are talking about actually splitting America up into two or more separate countries, that that's really the only way forward. I mean, they're talking about splitting the state of Virginia up right now as we speak, right? More and more people are talking about Well, that. it seems in Virginia the governor is really trying to precipitate a shooting war. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, this may be correct, and I think that I think that one thing I think would be very useful for listeners to keep in mind. Whenever someone tells you you have a moral responsibility to do something that they're telling you, they're making a religious claim, Right. So progressivists and others are constantly hectoring us about what we need to believe morally, what we need to do morally, who we are, right? what our identity is. This is not who we are, they say to anyone that they don't agree with uh, oftentimes, right? So think about that. You know, they claim to be have some sort of secular morality. Such a thing doesn't exist. All moral claims are essentially religious claims. They're not scientific. They're not truly philosophical. So when anyone tells you, you must believe this, you must believe that when it comes to something moral, you must do this, you must do that, they're making a religious claim upon you, and you should evaluate it accordingly. Okay, we're, uh, time is out. We've had a one-hour show. I hope uh, we were, some useful ideas came from this. Joe, thank you very much for uh, uh, agreeing to, to appear on my, my comeback show. Yeah, I'm glad it's back. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.